So this is it. A sad farewell. It's a sad farewell. Uh, but we do have each other, quite literally. In each other's faces. You're in my face right now. <laughs> no, it's really weird. Um, I have taken a solo flight and with two children and a solo car ride with two children across England for nearly three hours in order to be sitting here for the final recording of Right For Your Life right in front of your face. You've been here all week preparing, haven't you? Nope. Been, been here all week preparing and then just thought you'd leave it to the last minute to grab a piece of paper and write <laughs> down... Half a page of A4. Do you know what? It's actually like seeing an old friend again, getting a pen out and writing something on paper. I haven't done it for ages. Maybe we should talk about that. Indeed. Do you like your handwriting? Um, I hate my handwriting, and one of the few times I ever remember being told off by my mum for something sort of school-related was when uh, a teacher told me my handwriting was terrible and I was about 15 when I really should have learnt to write. Oh dear. I know. You know they've stopped teaching it in schools in Finland. Is that because none of them... Is that, is that like a, a, some kind of protest at the complexity of the language? No. Nope. They, they, pro- they probably all know the language. They Most of them are getting the hang of the language, yeah. Um, they're just, they think it's redundant. Handwriting? Mm, indeed. And what, what are they doing? They're refusing or protesting? No, they've stopped teaching in schools. They're just going to use oh, yeah. keyboard skills instead. It, it was me that used those words, wasn't it? It was. But um, anyway... How do we talk about handwriting? Oh, yeah, I was just looking at my handwriting and I just thought, you know what? If we had to stop writing, I'd be really sad. I really like my handwriting. All right, show off. Let's have a look. No, it's not, it's not that I want to show you off. I just, it's like, you know, well, you know your handwriting. You know that that's you. You get letters in the post from your friends. You know who it is before you've even opened it because of the handwriting. Handwriting is, you know, what would we do if we couldn't see people through their words? I would say you have classic... Female handwriting, and I don't mean that in a... I hope that doesn't sound derogatory in any way. It wasn't supposed to be. It really does. It, you make it sound like I do hearts over eyes and stuff like that. that. You have given me a red pen to write with. Um, You've given me a red pen to write with, Ian, so that doesn't help. Can I suggest you turn your phone off? <laughs> I think we all heard that. That was, that was something for my sister, for your wife. It's got nothing to do with me. I would actually like to ask you a question. Well, that's reminded me, that mm. noise. Um, you've been here all week. Mm, I have. Um, we've known each other for a long time. Mm. There are a lot of ringtones that you can choose when you have uh, an iPhone. Mm. You went for the honk? I didn't. I just I reset my phone recently and I haven't bothered to do it. I mean, come on. I've been here a week. Having changed my underwear every day, that has been... A major, major achievement each day. Changing my ringtone is going to take a bit more. Um, the, the honk isn't installed by default on an iPhone. What? Of course it is. You think the noise that everyone just heard is the default noise? You think that Apple, the kind of purveyors of all things product design, would have chosen that honk as their default text message arrival tone? I can see by the look in your eyes that... I've opened up... A can of worms? Yeah. Okay, so you're suggesting that years and years ago I went through them and, like, on the bus or something next to other people, tried all of the ringtones, like, it's really, really annoying, the thing that people do, and that I chose that, and I've just forgotten about it. I don't think I'm suggesting it. I think I'm saying it with near 100% um, 
uh, uh, knowledge. Okay. So, yes, that's the one I chose because I absolutely love it. <laughs> I did, however, download Top Gun, um, Power to the Danger Zone, as my actual ringtone, which, when people call, is what I get. Yeah, well, that was going to be my second question. It's, I think it's Highway to the Danger Zone, though. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it actually goes, Power to the Danger Zone. <laughs> so that's why I just called it Power to the Danger Zone. So. But you know that it doesn't do that. It does. It doesn't say Power to the Danger <laughs> Telling me I've misheard the lyrics to Top Gun now. I, I'm goodness gracious! I'm fairly sure it's Highway to the Danger Zone. Hang on a minute. Right, we're recording live. This was not what we had planned. This is not on my notes. Um, I am just going to Google that. Feel free to introduce the first subject. You're probably going to hear lots of noise in the background, guys. I'm not going to do a very good job editing this. We're using one microphone between two people. It's not professional podcasting. We're sat in front of my boiler which is not a euphemism, it's my actual boiler right behind me, so that's the humming sound you can hear. And this is the me uh, tapping the, uh, the, the words um, Highway to the Danger Zone lyrics. So you think it says Power to the Danger Zone somewhere in this song? I mean, I admit that Highway to the Danger Zone may come up, but I'm pretty sure they switch between... Power to the danger. I'm just bluffing now. We did, we did say we were going to do a bit of poetry in this final episode, so here we go. Revin up your engine, listen, listen to her howling roar, metal under tension, begging you to touch and go. Oh my God, this is just awful. This is an adult show. Highway to the danger zone, ride into the danger zone. Heading into twilight, spreading out her wings tonight. She got you jumping off the deck and shoving into overdrive. Highway to the danger zone, I'll take you right into the danger zone. I could go on, but I can see by reading ahead... Just that scan there's, ahead. There's no power to the danger zone. There is no power to the danger zone. And that is not, not, my, not my words. That's the words of a to z lyricscom oh. Well, but you know what? It is a great, great area, isn't it? Misheard song lyrics. I have a friend that always used to sing Street Lights instead of Street Life. Do you remember that Street Life song? It's the only life I know. <laughs> but at least light sounds a bit like light, uh, life. If you're really going for it and you're going power to it like that, highway mm. sounds a bit like power there. Anyway, that is my proper ringtone, which I am proud of. Um, and uh, what's yours? Uh, just the standard. Oh, and actually, I changed uh, just the standard, but I changed my t- uh, text messages to uh, be different to WhatsApp messages when I started getting a lot of WhatsApp messages because I was just so confused. Is it's it so a me- popular. Well, so many WhatsApps. Yeah, I've got a lot of WhatsApps. My mum, I think she... No, it wasn't WhatsApping. My mum used LinkedIn as a verb. She mm. said that people were trying to... LinkedIn? No. <laughs> Sounds like another euphemism now. Um, he wants... <laughs> I'm trying to think what she said now. It all sounds rude in my head and I can't get past it. She could have said, um, my friend... We linked in. That's what she said about somebody that she connected with on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I wondered whether it is now a verb that people can actually use or if it's just my mum. I think it's always been optional, but I think that uh, the majority of people probably... I think I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people probably in, in, uh, in suits and your mum. Just mm. those two groups of people. Mm. Uh, we uh, start my new job... Mm. Everyone, well, we use we use Slack. Mm. Lots of people use Slack these days, and that's used as a verb a lot. Just mm. Slack, just Slack me that link. That's that what sounds they... good, yeah. Because mm. it sounds like you don't really care about it, but you know, just like pop it in there, just Slack it in. Yeah. Um, what about? I was actually asking somebody. I've started on Snapchat now. Oh, you've been Snapchatting. I've been. Do- that's what I'm wondering. Is it? Do you Snapchat someone? Yeah. Or do you snap them? 
No, you Snapchat them. I think I know that. I, I mean, I don't. I've never. I don't Snapchat anyone myself. Not, no. Never been really presented with the opportunity. All oh, right. Okay. But um, I think that is the verb is to Snapchat. So what all the young folks are. Would you Tumblr someone, given a chance? Oh yeah, I would. <laughs> Johnny Depp. <laughs> um, yeah, Tumblr. Well, you don't Facebook someone. See, that's that's the thing. Oh, I think people do say that. You don't. You say you post and you message on Facebook. You don't Facebook. I don't know. I think there's. I think a lot of people would say that they Facebook things. I suppose you wouldn't Twitter someone. If we've got any listeners from Generation Z, we need them to just get in touch with us on Twitter and actually tell us what, what you know whether you can use Facebook in that way. Is that the same as millennials? No, that's younger. We're millennials. We're millennials? Technically. Are we? Mm. I don't feel like a millennial. No. I feel like an idiot. I know. When, when I, you know, we're going to market and we're going to target millennials, I keep thinking, ooh, they sound cool. And then I realise it's me and I'm like, oh. Was this from one of our previous business meetings? About the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, sorry, that was my toe clicking, just in case that got picked up on the microphone. It was your toe clicking? Yes. We are, we're getting old, millennials. We're ageing now, you know. Um, are we going to talk about anything that we plan to talk about tonight? Um, it's our last chance to talk to the listeners in a serious manner about writing and about ourselves as writers. Well. Ever. Got any publishing industry news? Um, yes. Big news, actually. What's that? Um, I just found out a couple of days ago that I did not win the national poetry competition. Oh, again? Again. Um, and the reason it's big news is because I've decided, I've had it, it's enough. I refuse to submit poems that I've not specifically written for the national poetry competition. There is no point just submitting poems I've got. Did you enter? Yeah. Okay, I thought this was, a, I thought this was, I thought this was like another joke. Yeah, well, it was a joke. It's all a joke. I mean, you know. The whole publishing industry. All of it. It's terrible. Now, I'm not surprised. In fact, I was so unsurprised because I already resubmitted that poem to another journal because I was like, why did I even submit that? It's not going to win. You have to write specific poems for competitions like that. You can't just submit any old poem, you know? They're looking for particular things. And Can I ask you a genuine question? Mm-hmm. When you entered the National Poetry Awards, mm-hmm. did you feel like you had a chance? No, but I kind of have this sense that I don't want every year to go by and I and I say, oh, you know, I didn't submit anything that year. I want to keep myself in the game, you know. Mm. Keep myself nimble, you know. You got to keep yourself nimble. I was uh, I was only asked because I, I just pure maths. There's a, there must be thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of poets enter mm. that award, and yes. even if yours was the best, which it probably was, mm. chances are, you know. How can chances are you're not going to win just by sheer numbers? That's true, but it's not just a winner. There are also second, third uh, prizes and plenty of runner-ups and commendations. I don't know how long the list is, but you know, even if you were to get an email to say you've been shortlisted for like consideration for one of these prizes, that's good. I once got um, I before I had my publish my collection published, I submitted to uh, an award in Ireland called the Patrick Kavanagh Poetry Award, which is quite a big one. That's for um, the best unpublished collection, so a collection that's ready to be published. Um, and I got a letter saying that I'd received um, a com- special commendation, even though I'd not won or been shortlisted. So it didn't mean anything. But it's still something I could say. You know, they didn't, like, use it to wipe their bottom. You know, it's extra toilet paper, my collection. They actually wrote me a letter and said, you know what, it's all right. 
I hope that was the letter. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I got a commendation once, and it was a real Philip with an F. There was probably a guy called Philip involved as well, but uh, it was for it was for my novel. It was for the like a very 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 early dra- uh, chapter of the novel, yeah. and it was for the new writing partnership, which is now the fairly big and popular writing centre Norwich people. Oh yeah, you know the folks. It was there. Attached it was there to the thing. university at East Anglia. Mm. Mm. But it made me. Uh, it warms my cockles, and um, nice. it did. And um, yeah, I suppose. Uh, exactly, it's better than a kick in the teeth, isn't it? It's better than a slap around the chops. I mean, in the poetry game, you are submitting and submitting to journals, and sometimes, you know, it can take a lot of goes before they'll take a poem, if they ever do. Um, and even just an email from a journal to say, you know what, we really, I had one once from a poetry journal in the UK, which I'd really been trying to get into, and they said about one poem that they particularly liked pieces of that poem, but they just felt as a whole it wasn't quite ready for publication. That is absolutely, you know, that's gold to know that and say, okay, cool, I'm on the right track, I just need to, you know, work on it a little bit. We might talk about this later, the idea of just sort of, does that mean you don't want to talk about it now? No, no, as in come back to a similar related topic. Oh, right. The idea of um, just putting stuff out there. We have talked about it before. We've kind of covered most things. But the idea of um, keeping on, keeping on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's partly why I'm feeling so out of things at the moment. And why, you know, one, one of the reasons why we are stopping our beloved Right for Life podcast um, is just because I'm, I, I'm not, I've not got things out on submission at the moment and... Even if I'm not working towards my second collection at the moment, I need to have poems out doing the rounds. You know, I can take the rejections because you don't, you, you know, a few rejections and you might get the odd. We want one. I'm going to ask you about that later on, a little bit. Yeah, okay. I've got, I've got notes. You can see them. Um, but first of all, we asked. This is our last show. We probably mm-hmm. haven't mentioned that. Maybe someone's listening. Maybe this is the first show someone's ever listened to. And um, they could just work through them backwards, which would be uh, not advisable. Time-consuming. Time-consuming. Uh, but it's been a few weeks. Our, our, we, the, the last few weeks have been a, a very good demonstration of why it's time for us to stop trying to record for an hour and a half Absolutely. Every week. And I haven't even gone back to my full-time employment yet, which I will be doing imminently. But how does it feel? That's what I was going to ask you. How does it feel to have told everyone and to have made the decision and for this to be our last show? How does it feel deep down inside? I feel very, very sad. I mean, I well, part of me kind of feels not free, but like motivated, very motivated. Um, because if I have that one evening a week that we've been spending doing this, just to actually even sit down and invest it in, in a bit of research for my new book that I'm working on potentially in the future then you know it's going to be worth it um I am going to miss it but I really feel like I need I need to get back in the game and um, how about yourself how's that going the getting back in the game Get back in the game well I have been doing a bit of traveling recently as I just mentioned with the old uh, solo journey to get here um and then last week I was actually in the Faroe Islands. So on the last episode, you made a, a really terrible joke about Faroe Islands, which I misunderstood because the Faroe Islands are—they do look very triangular, like kind of pyramidy. Um, and I thought that's why you were saying, "Were there any pharaohs there?" Um, no pyramids. But it was a very, very dramatic, dramatic place to be. So I've been there um, in the middle of the North Atlantic last week, and it was absolutely incredible. And um, 
bizarrely, it ties in with a children's story that I wrote a long time ago, but I'm going to edit, and that's going to be the first thing I do when we stop this podcast. I'm going to finish that story. I'm going to rewrite it for a different age group. Do you mean tonight, or...? <laughs> tonight, I will be dribbling and snoring on my pillow as soon as we're done this. I thought so. We've been wrangling primarily you and... Uh... And uh, my wife, your sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, four children over the last week? Yes. I've, yeah. been, I've been involved primarily the last two days over the weekend, so not a lot of time for writing. No. You know, um, we've been like uh, boxing refs, you know, like ding, ding. We have. Like should, breaking should... up fights between three-year-olds all week. A little bit. I think that's over again, the pudding slightly. They've been pretty, pretty good. I mean, put three, three-and-a-half-year-olds into any room and they're going to find a way to... Well, I don't know. My daughter clawed one of your sons this morning because she couldn't see the iPad. <laughs> it's a very modern parenting issue to have to deal with. But yes. That's true. Um, okay, so... Uh, so excited, very, very, you know, motivated. How about yourself? I feel I feel relief. I feel like it's probably the, probably the right thing to do. I was a bit worried that it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm. But I think that's probably just me. You know, when you've done 150 plus of something, mm. whatever it is, mm. then you get quite attached to it. So, and, and, and the audience, so I'm slightly concerned that everyone who listens to this, which is, weirdly, our audience has gone up in the last... I was going to say, weirdly, our only friends. Like, where is everyone going to go? I don't know. They've, I think they've probably already found somewhere. Yeah, but I just mean for us, like, we're, we're not going to hear from them. Well, this, this, is what I'm, well, this is what I'm saying. That's my concern, is that it's quite a big... You know, from a, if we forget the fact it's me that's saying this, and it's, and, you know, uh, where is me... But any author who has a few thousand people listen to them on a, every couple of weeks, um, to give that up is <laughs> stupid. Foolish. <laughs> How are we no, doing? But it, it feels slightly, it, it's, it felt slightly risky. Um, but then I can think of lots of people who have, uh, who have given up things which are much bigger and just done something different. And that's, you know, people don't completely disappear. So um, I was a bit worried about that, but all in all, I feel like uh, uh, relief, um, and not just about the idea of having more time to write. I think it's, it's. Uh, I think it's part of a wider um, personal liberation that I'm going through. I mean, I wouldn't want to over. Oh, here we o- go. Wouldn't want to overstate it too much, but <laughs> <laughs> um, unburden yourself right now. Well, I mean, I ha- I haven't. Um, I've started my new job, which I've talked about a lot. I'm sorry, I'm going to sneeze. Your children have made me sick. I, I was, you just put your fingers over your nose like, uh, like I, I was just checking. I wasn't sure if I'd farted or not. <laughs> Don't you know when you farted? Um, usually, but sometimes I say that I haven't. You know, I say <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, my personal liberation is, yeah, I just... Um, just a bit like you, really, a bit more motivated to write, a bit more like, okay, right, well, that decision's been made. I am not thinking, uh, I don't have to think about a podcast every two weeks. And I think for me and you, a lot of the, as we've kind of alluded to, a lot of the problem wasn't really about what we were going to talk about. We've always, you know, been able to witter on for an hour or so. It's more about the, I've found the stress is not the right word, it's not a stressful thing. But um, the worrying, the thinking about when are we going to record? Uh, we've missed, uh, we've missed our, you know, we've missed it again, or yeah. um, we've got to record tonight. And I've known that you really haven't been in a position to, but you've done it anyway, uh, or vice versa. Hmm. And so having that sort of life stress removed has been good. But also that's part of for me having started a new job. 
last month, which is going very well. Um, and, you know, you, my life is totally different again. But like everything, it's, it's hard to... I know that changing jobs is quite a big life-changing thing, but this one feels more like it than most. Are you still feeling sad about the fact you just sold your bike? <laughs> is this why your life has just changed suddenly so much? You said goodbye to an old friend that used to ride over the hills. I did, uh, yeah. But he was a nice man, chap off off eBay. That's where he came from. Mm-hmm. He came and uh, and bought my bike, and he was he was very nice. Seventy years. Really? Yeah, said he was 70 and he's just getting back into the cycling. He said he'd not really done it since he was 16. Oh, that's brilliant. And he just uh, just getting back into cycling again. He was doing a podcast up until now, and that's why he's... I see. <laughs> yeah, he's been doing a podcast for... <laughs> the last for about, 50 years. Yeah. yeah. So I felt like it was a relief, but the part, so part of, yeah, my personal liberation, not worrying about having to do a podcast anymore, starting a new job, which means that my life has changed quite a lot in... So, in lots of good ways and I'm very determined to be very good at my job and I kind of have to be because I'm not 22 and can just wander in anymore I've got to be good um, and the the last thing which is probably more related is it's something inside me has confirmed what I think I've known for a while and that's that I'm, I'm done with you writers sick of, sick of you don't don't say that but I, don't, I mean I'm not really sick of you but what I mean is that I, I don't think I think I'm done with trying to dish out writing advice. Mm. I don't. I think I've been done with it for quite a while. I've not written anything on my blog for quite a long time about uh, writing advice or, or that's been directed to writers. Me and you, our conversations have become far less about writing advice. And even my newsletter has been more about here's some other people saying stuff that you might like as opposed to me saying um, any sort of writing advice. And I feel like I've probably said all I can say and I feel like uh or certainly right now and I feel like um I feel like it's uh it's difficult to dish out writing advice when you're kind of going through what's been like a a challenging period in your own writing it becomes a a distraction it just feels just a bit wrong um and so I stopped that I think that's I think this is it I think if we were to do another podcast again which we've talked about doing I don't think it would be about writing. It might be it might be similar, but it wouldn't necessarily focus on uh, writing as a as a thing that we talk about in a, in a way where we're in, in, at least in part pretending to know like we know what we're doing. Absolutely, I agree with all of that. Plus, everyone else doing that just feels like they're running some little small business, and that's not it's not really for me. I've thought it could be for me. Mm. You know, all these all these blooming. Blooming bloggers, all these blooming other podcasters, all these blooming other people, yeah, being successful and everything, making it, money, making money, selling books. No, it's like it's like a it is like a small business, and um, I haven't got time to run a small business. And I think I'm finally coming to that realization. And so, whenever I write anything, I think it's going to be fiction, and I think I'm going to try one of the my next challenge. I think is to be confident confident enough to say. I'm writing something other than my novel because the novel has been so challenging to do. I've, whenever I've had spare time, I've always felt, well, I've got to work on that, even though I've had other things that I've been interested in doing, just short stories or flash fiction, my Ledger Centre podcast, all of it. There's lots of other stuff that I could write, but I've always felt like, oh, I've got to got to work on the novel, which is obviously way more difficult. Um, and I could be I could be having lots of little wins, which might help the kind of the bigger target of finishing and publishing the next novel. Makes sense. It does, yeah. Yep. 
Um, did I tell you that I um, I had a go at Ulysses? Did I tell you that? What did he say? <laughs> I what, said, what? stop it. No, I did have a go, and I thought... Um, because we've been talking about all sorts of things like that on the podcast in the past, haven't we? And I thought, ooh, you know, always just did notebooks and then typed it out in Word. I should really just try things. I'm going to, you know, potentially write a novel now, try Ulysses. Uh, we should confirm that Ulysses is a, a writing application for it the is. Macintosh computers and the iPads. Indeed. Um, and, um, yes, I was, I was very encouraged by the free trial um, until I saw how much it cost. And I felt stingy. And I was like, you know what? I mean, I like the idea of it, but I don't like it that much. And I'm going to go back to uh, pad and paper. How much does it cost? I can't remember. Like, not very much money at all, which means that I really didn't need it. I just did not need it. It was like 30 quid. Was that $60 or something? That's not a great amount of money. Um, excuse the sniffles, everybody. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I have I have tried that. And, you know, thinking, oh, how am I going to get myself organised for a novel now, seeing as I'm a poet and I'm used to writing poetry. But, um, but you know, that's part of the new challenge. I'm excited about it. Well, you've got good old Microsoft Word. That's always there for you. I've got AI Writer. I write it, yeah. Cheaper, half the price. Yeah. Does, does have the organisational functionality no. of uh, Ulysses, which I like so much. Yeah, and that's what I'm wondering further down the line, whether I'm just going to be like, oh, actually, don't! I should have used Ulysses, because now I'm, I've got it all around my, my bits. I don't know what's going on. I blame the uh, the App Store, the, the uh, iPhone, iPad, the iOS App Store. For it's what? For, for you thinking and everyone else thinking that... £30 is a lot to pay for something that you would potentially use for years and help you write your next mm. fiction. You well, want... it's like we, like we it's talked... Not, it's not blooming Flappy Birds. It's not Flappy Birds. Um, no, because it doesn't doesn't have poos on it. <laughs> I, my, my little girl, she's always said to me, can I do the one with the birds with the poo that does the poos? <laughs> um, flappy Birds, oh, I missed that. It was great, yeah. Um, but going back to something which was actually useful to say it was we talked a while ago about the fact that all the great writers have you know they don't have social media accounts you know i mean how many of them are using writing apps hmm true i mean they must use some writing app why do you mean do you mean uh, they're probably all using word yeah yeah probably or a typewriter or a typewriter it's true i mean there's the you know productivity porn writing porn what people's not writing porn but you know Choose, and that's a way to earn money. That is a way to earn money. Yeah, if you could, uh, what if you was to write an erotic fiction, mm. an erotic novel? Mm. Um, I'm giving you no time to prepare for this. <laughs> Great. Yeah. What would the title be? Um, Red horses. Red horses. Wow. <laughs> I just saw a red horse over there. That's why. Um, you see, I can't think past carry-on um, film titles, that kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure that all our listeners will know about the carry-on films, but they were very famous British films from the 60s, weren't they? 60s, I guess. Um, farcical comedies, and they were all like carry-on up the Khyber, and they were full of innuendos and things like that. Um, so I'm just going to struggle to come up with anything better than carry-on up my what's-its or something you, like that. You just said red horses, and I think everyone's, <laughs> everyone's wondering what's going on in your psyche. I told you I just looked at a red horse. That's what I, it's not. It's not anything more than that. You have a massive red horse's head on your shelf right in front of me. Is that the first line? <laughs> yeah, and it's got a mane that's flapping in the wind. 
It's true. All of this is true. It's still, yeah. still worrying. Anyway, do, is it because you have the novel uh, title for a porn no, not really. in your head? Um, she's got her knockers. She came knocking? It's a double, it's a pun, it's a double she's thing. She's got her knockers? Yeah, like the people say, you know, um, ooh, you know he, he or she's got, her, got their knockers. As in, there are people who criticise them, but obviously knockers. How many porn books do you think actually write the word knockers in them or have the word knockers in them? It's like the least sexy word I've ever what? heard. It isn't, it's not a very sexy word, but it would not surprise me if it was in some erotic novels. Because do you, the, the, do you know how many... Well, there are a lot of things that happen yeah. a number of times in an erotic novel and there's only so many ways that you can... But describe them. Do you not remember quite a few episodes ago? We should look back and find out which one it is. We can put that in the show notes. We had a very big discussion about I, writing I erotic bo- fiction. <laughs> I can't be bothered to find that. <laughs> no, um, about that um, that guy who had made a career out of it, and he was he was like churning out two hundred a year or something crazy. Well, no, not two hundred a year, two hundred in his whole life. Um, and he had those um, those binders where he'd mm-hmm. in advance written uh, erotic descriptions of different parts of the body, which he just found and then. In, inserted into his texts so there are lots of ways to say that how why since when you an expert on erotic novels i read a couple at university just for, out, of, out of interest judy bloom did you read judy bloom growing up uh no no so how did you find out about um this? i was in i was in the the you know when the that they had there's like a cd version called britannia where you would buy five books for for, for a penny and then they would send you a book every month and you had to tell them not to, otherwise you had to pay for it. I remember that, yeah. They, yeah, they sent me some porn. Oh. Uh, what would your um, nom de plume be if you were... What, how, who, so, oh. yeah, nom de plume, who, who's written Red Horses? Um, well, that's actually very funny because I came up with this last week and, you know, we've not prepared any of this. <laughs> no. But my Can, can you tell? <laughs> yes. <laughs> my initials are D.E.S. Sorensen. Because I'm Donna Elizabeth Sandale Sorensen. So I have now decided that my future pen name when I write my novel is going to be Des Sorensen. Which is a perfect porn name. Des Sorensen? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be Des Sorensen. Like Des from Neighbours? Yes, like a man Des. I'm going to sell loads more books because I'm going to be Des rather than Donna. I mean, this this is a glittering literary career waiting to happen. Yeah, thanks. I'd be Johnny Conkers. Johnny Knockers. So, um, you, uh, let's talk about... Um, we haven't got anything to talk about, have we, really? There's no, publishing news. Just... Got any publishing news? I, I've got some publishing news. People, people wrote books. People wrote books and then other people bought them. Who? Just people. That's that's my research on the publishing industry in the last two months. Whose books are being bought at the moment? Um, there's a, I, I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> we haven't even got any publishing news. This is why we are letting our listeners be. I've been keeping my head down. I've not been paying as much interest to... I've made a conscious effort to dip out and see what life is like. Me but too. Partly because I've been forced to because of having the new job. But other, Do you know what that? I tried last week? Pilates? Virtual reality. Mm, how was that? It was very cool, actually. Um, we're looking to use it at work now, which would be quite exciting if we can afford it. But... Um, I can see how it's it's been around for such a long time, but why nobody has believed in it or ever wanted to put any money into it until now. Because 
even now you can see that we're, you're just able to make it seem like it is another form of reality. But now you really are. You're there, you know? And it's, it's very nauseating mm. and fascinating to look into it. I'm sure loads of our listeners are, are more expert on this than I am. But um, apparently, you, at the moment, you can't walk faster than a certain speed because your brain is not able to compute the fact that you're not really in this virtual reality and so you're, you're going to vomit. So you're still really, really limited about what you can do, but things are going to change really, really quickly. They are. It's the future. I um, Was this an Oculus Rift? Mm. Uh, we used one at uh, a previous job. We had a, a demo kit. In fact, it was some really interesting work that my colleague was doing um, with it. He was a programmer. And... Um, I went on a virtual roller coaster. Oh yeah, and it There's was a very funny video online of a man trying the virtual roller coaster and then just basically losing control of his bodily functions. Have you seen it? I, I have not seen that, but it doesn't surprise me. No. Um, also tried to Google cardboard, which is a very cool concept, where you can potentially just well, actually, the context that that I saw it in and that people were were talking about its potential uses um, was for places around the world where people do not and will never necessarily have the resources to travel, like schools and things like that, you know, to help children see a bit of the world, you can send Google Cardboard kits and they can actually experience other places through virtual reality. I didn't know that. It's very cool. Can you see a world where there is uh, fiction written for virtual reality? I suppose games. Yeah, well, it's already been done. Yeah, exactly. Um, totally. Shall we talk about... Um, I wanted, well, I want to talk about, I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but I want to talk a bit about, um, yourself, myself. I wanted to talk about myself, Fo really focus on myself, but also you, I feel like there was, um, that, um, there is just some missing pieces maybe. Oh, are there? That's good to clear those up now. I'll tell you, there's one big missing thing. We'll come back. We, there is no xylophone this week. I can't do the listener's question because I haven't brought it with me on the plane. Um, so there are no listeners' questions for our final episode. Well, the good news is also that there is no listeners' question. <laughs> you didn't need to say that, though, did you? We could have made it sound like it was just technical and logistical challenges had meant that there were no listeners' questions. I think everyone would like you to do it one last time. Can I? Can I? Can I, I invite? Can I invite you to do it sort of on its own? Can you beatbox for me to do it? I don't think anyone wants that. Oh, okay. I won't look at you. Listeners' questions. There we go. Then people can sort of cut that bit out and use it as their own ringtone. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, so that's that's one missing piece from this podcast. Mm. But in general, what, what else have we missed? Well, I think you might have some missing pieces. I don't know if you've fully talked about your missing pieces, but you can talk about those if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, my missing piece was I, I feel like I've never told my redundancy story. Not just on the podcast, but on the blog either. Mm. And part of the reason... I haven't done that is because I've been trying to be tactful about it because it's obviously a very personal thing that I went through. Um, and, and I don't think it's kind of, it's not really cricket. If that makes sense. That's a very English phrase to use, isn't it? In a, in this it show. Is. It's not very, what's, what's a, what's a, a US uh, friendly way of saying? Oh, it's just not cricket. Know. It's not PC. It's not like the done thing to just talk about your redundancy, like, like, like your salary. Yeah, I guess so. It just felt like, even though, yeah, <laughs> it felt like it was in a... poor taste, basically, to sit and talk about redundancy. Undignified. 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 But, but uh, you're, gonna, you're ready to do but it. But I'll anyway. do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, 
No, I, no, I wanted to. I wanted to talk about it because I feel a bit like this new job I've just started is me coming full circle to a degree, and I think that it relates a little bit to. Um, it definitely relates to my own writing, like my fi- talking about my fiction, my own journey and my own problems with that over the last two or three years. And so we've spent a lot of the time talking about our own writing since you joined the show. Um, um, and we've referred to having had kids a lot and we've re- referred to various other, um, uh, you know, troubles, problems, issues. Um, but we've never really, I've never really talked about this and it, it could be the biggest one. So I'm trying to, I've been trying to sort of, I think it's been, how long now? Three and a half years since I was made redundant from my job. And I, I mean, it, everything's worked out tremendously. So there's a happy ending to the story, but it's still, I still feel a bit like with hindsight now, I'm starting to understand the effect it had on me, if that makes sense. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I fully realised that at the time or or in the sort of first couple of years afterwards because I was busy trying to live life and sort myself out. Um, so shall I, shall I provide more details? The, the reason for doing this, not just to fill the gaps with the show, but also to, I think, ho- hopefully offer a story of hope and optimism. Redemption. <laughs> Hang on, I don't mind redemption. I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault. They, <laughs> my fault they got rid of me. Um, so let me. I need to move my papers up slightly because this is one one bit of the entire show that I've actually made notes on. Not many notes, I have to say. Um, so one thing that I'm I'm realizing now, and in the last two episodes since I've been talking about the new job, I think I've said a number of times about wanting to make sure that I do a good job at the job. Um, and I don't think I've ever done a bad job at a job, but I know for a fact that throughout my 20s, while I was writing A.S. Frangelica, that I was uh, deep down thinking that this would hopefully become part of my actual career, my actual job. Um, I felt like um, if I was to be published, then I would at least uh, be able to work part-time. And so uh, in, in hindsight, looking back now, and we're talking sort of looking back 10 years or so, I, I'm able to kind of realise that that I that it was a good thing that that kind of confidence carried me along, but it was totally unrealistic. Um, and so I'm able to to look look back now and realise that that's not what's happening at the moment. Like I know that I've I, I'm writing a second novel, but um, and and you know I, hopefully I stand a better chance of getting published with this novel than I did the first one on account of already having a novel published. But I am now very very aware that my career is my career um and my fiction and doing this kind of thing is is uh something that i do on the side uh, certainly financially definitely um so i kind of always thought my job was a, a means a means to an end almost whereas now that's flipped and that's p- played a lot of uh, quite a big part in you know our decision to or my decision to to end the show like i'm very sort of focused on on my actual work. Um, but I just wanted to sort of talk a bit about how, well, let's just say the late summer of 2012. So I thought I would do that by sort of giving a series of dates. Is that okay, Donna? That's absolutely, it's riveting. Carry on. You're just drawing a sphinx there while I'm, <laughs> while I'm talking? I just wondered if I could do it from memory. I can't. But anyway, carry on. It kind of looks like... Now, a- I'm only doing this because I'm listening at the same time, but I don't feel like I can look at you. 
It looks like an angry cat. Exactly. Then I'm spot on. I suppose that's what a sphinx is. It is. Do you know what I mean, though, about I can't look at you? So I'm trying not to look at you specifically. That's why I'm doodling, not for any other reason. It would be weird for you to just look at me in this situation, is what exactly. you're saying. So carry on. Keep going. I want the dates about your redundancy. In the f- <laughs> <laughs> On the 1st of September... <clears throat> the 1st of September, 2012, uh, my book was published. So my book came out on the 1st of September. It was wonderful. It was very exciting. On the 27th... That's not true. But it was exciting. Which bit's not true? Oh, no, it was 2012, your book. I suddenly, I thought it was 20, 2011, 2011. No, you're right. It's not quite that long ago, but no, it's a true. long time no, ago. No, it's because it was a year before mine, and I, I thought mine was... No, you're right. Yes, carry on. So, 1st of, sep- <laughs> 1st of September, 2012. My book came out. I was very happy. On the 6th or the 7th of September, I had a launch party... Lots of people came. It was very exciting. I was very happy. On the 27th of September, although I should go before then, on the mid... I don't know the dates anymore. I'm losing the dates. In the middle of September, I said to my employers, I took them to one side and said, we're going to have an arranged caesarean section. <laughs> and they were delighted, I told them. You know, the reason I, I told them was because um, um, I, I was trying to be generous and you know and be helpful. So they, they knew that I was going to be... In, uh, in hospital on the 27th of September because we were going to have the boys. Um, and we did have the boys on the 27th of September. And we had to stay in hospital for a week because the boys had jaundice. They were all yellow and tiny. Um, but they were fine. But it meant I was sleeping on three chairs pushed together for, for a week. And, you know, stressful business having two children at once, never mind having to stay in hospital. On day five of those seven, so five days after the boys were born, the start of October, I'm not sure which months have 30 days in, um, and which have 31. Um, I got, a, I got a, 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 an email followed by a text message, followed by the realisation that I was going to be one of many, many people in the company who were going to be let go. So there I was in the hospital ward in Sheffield with my wife and two brand new tiny little babies um, and... I kind of had to drive to work knowing that I was going to be told um, that things weren't great at the company and I was going to have to, you know, it was going to be made redundant. Um, and and then that happened and I had to drive back and go straight back to hospital. Um, it was nuts, I remember it well. It was pretty nuts. Um, and so, I, yeah, I drove back to hospital, had to tell my wife and say, hey, good news, <laughs> Got no job. How are those two children that we just reared? Uh, I know reared. We hadn't reared them by that point, have we? No. Just delivered into the world. Delivered into the world. I love that we. Yeah. Carry on. Well, I I am rearing them. I am helping. I'm helping with that. Yeah. Um, um, And then, yeah, I I don't know what date it was, but about 20 days after that, my my granddad died as well. I don't know if you know that. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Yeah, so my granddad died as well 20 days after that, which was, you know, it was fine. He was... uh, um, he died in the best way possible. Do you know how he died? <laughs> in his sleep. No, not no. He wasn't asleep. He just just switched off. It was amazing. He was kind of fine. What sitting? He was very old. No, he well, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go into quite those details, but he yeah, just hot stopped, just gone like that. So it might have been in his sleep. I know he wasn't asleep. 
<laughs> I can see if I can make some phone calls, get you the autopsy <laughs> if you want. This what you laughing for. Okay, right, carry on. Yeah, so this is this is this is really good stuff. So granddad is gone. <laughs> My point was yes. challenging couple of months. Yes. So I found myself in a situation with my novel having just come out that I'd worked 10 years for, um, for, for this, and it had just come out, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do much promotion because the boys were going to be born. I'd obviously was able to plan for that, but I wasn't able to plan for not having a job um, on top of that. And, um, and it was difficult. It was really difficult. And, and so it's part of the reason I wanted to sort of say all that is because it's only kind of now, maybe in the last year or so, certainly in the last six months, and certainly it's how I'm feeling right now. I'm really starting to feel like I've, I kind of, you know, don't call it a comeback, Donna, but it feels like, um, no, don't. Okay. Um, you know, it feels like I, 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 I like coming full circle. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure, and we've said this so many times, there is so much pressure, um, especially if you're an author or unpublished writer or whatever you want to call yourself who is quite heavily involved in the internet and we've talked about this a lot we mm. you, it, it feels like other people are are more productive or um, uh, kind of achieving more and it feels like there's this intense pressure to either write all the time or to to just live in this kind of world of writing and publishing and just be totally on it all of the time mm-hmm. you know you need an author platform you need to be doing you know you need to be out there you need to be writing all the time all the things I've just said repeated and um, and I just a lot of the stuff that we've talked about over the last couple of years certainly by, for me has been informed by that sort of situation that I was in and the way that I've had to kind of negotiate you know my, my fiction if I'm really honest has just not been that important over the last two or three years and I haven't really thought about that consciously I haven't really I don't think I've I've really had that uh, in my head that thought like oh this is not important it's not why I'm it's why I'm struggling with it I think the it's just a reality that's dawned on me later with hindsight it's actually I'd got like a whole sort of personal kind of not mess but I had like some actual life challenges that are going to be some of the biggest ones that I ever face um, to kind of climb and to get over with my with my family and and I just I guess I feel like my my message in this final podcast is that if you are in a, it doesn't have to be a similar situation, but if you ever feel like you're under pressure to be creative or to, to write, but you have uh, some other pressures somewhere else, then the life bit is more important. Mm. In fact, write for your life. The life bit is the most important bit, not the right bit. It's part of it, yeah, it's true. Um, it's so true. So, I don't know, it was just the idea that... that you know, if you're going, to, just a, a, a process of recovery, and it takes a long time. And if you're lucky, then you have a long life, and mm. you don't necessarily have to achieve everything in the space of three years. Mm. And opportunities come along. And my current work life, my current job, is awesome. I couldn't have dreamt three and a half years ago when I was made redundant that I would be doing what I do for my non-fiction career right now. But also, this process of realignment of expectations and also um understanding yourself a bit better as a writer and where you are it's amazing how freeing it is and how important it is because it can be crippling to sit there and think i should be writing i need to be doing this why am i not doing this it's crippling for your creativity so it's vital to sit back and think okay this is really really 
not the right time to be worrying about that. Mm. And I had a very similar... In fact, when I think about it, it's weird to hear you sit and map it out because my my story to my first book and post to my first book is also is quite similar so, in many so ways. I, I do think that... I think So in, in, in just saying all that, I feel like that's me filling in a few pieces. Like, why is, mm. why is he... Like, some people might be listening to this and actually think, well, why, come on, it's been three years since you've written a book. Why have you yeah. not written a book? All this stuff about kids? Come on, your kids are three and a half years old. They're not, it's not like they're up all night crying. Mm. Um, you know, and, and actually you have got a child who is much younger than that, of course, now, and I'm about to have another. But I feel, I feel like you have, uh, do have a, a other gaps to fill. But I, don't know, I do. I, don't know uh, I would quite to. like to fill them as well because I think it's really useful in terms of showing the journey of a writer, which... I mean, there are so many different ways to publication and my way was so bizarre and I feel so disconnected from it that I think that I'm, I'm also struggling to find out how to carry on and where I am next because um, I was living in Ireland and I was publishing a lot of poetry and I was really in that whole environment. Uh, regular listeners of our podcast will know that. Um, and then I moved back to Copenhagen where I'd previously lived um, and I, I was a bit fearful of it. I, 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 I knew creatively it was going to be a challenge to be there because, you know, I mean, Danish being the language of Denmark um, and the writing um, milieu, that was going to be difficult for me to access. And I would have, there'd be less opportunities, obviously, um, to to present my work, to perform it. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. And then a random thing happened. So um, a mini collection that I'd already um, had accepted for publication came out while I was living in Denmark in March of 2012. And a publisher saw it and they liked it and they said, we'd like to look at your manuscript. Um, And I was three months pregnant at this point. And actually, um, around that time, I performed in my last poetry festival that I performed in the uh, Spring Poetry Festival, which was fantastic. Um, and then waited six months, and then on the day your twins were born, on the 27th of September 2012, I got an email from that publisher to say they wanted to publish my collection. I don't think I knew that, though. You did. I mean, I was probably busy. You were busy. I tried to call everyone in the family. I couldn't get hold of anybody. It was really annoying. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was in uh, 2012. Then a month later, my baby was born, my first baby. Um, and then the following August, my collection came out. So by that time, I was very much entrenched in back in Denmark um, and in a very bizarre situation because I'm English from the UK, um, living in Denmark with an Irish poetry collection, which meant that I couldn't, I couldn't easily go to Ireland to, to promote my book. I couldn't take part in the regular spoken word nights or any of the main um, poetry events or festivals that were going on at the time unless I forked out the cash for it. Um, and I had just had a baby. Um, but then I didn't feel like I could engage in, in prizes and I shouldn't focus my energy on being published in journals in Ireland because I wasn't going to live there again. So I couldn't do it in Denmark because it was in Danish. So I needed to refocus my efforts on the UK. Um, and so I just felt like it, it meant that my poetry collection, which was already a tough sell because poetry is difficult to publish, uh, to promote um, and to get people to, to buy... It was going to be, you know, kind of just, it's going to fall by the wayside. And I really feel like it has. Um, And also, I'm going to say this now quite brazenly, because it's our last ever episode. No one listens this long anyway, don't worry. Yes, they do. But my mum does. Um, 
the publisher who published my collection. People who know my collection will know who it is. Um, they have not been the best publisher. I'm just going to say that outright now. And I have not said that before, but um, it's been it's been rocky road. You know, I mean, a small publisher publishing a poetry collection, which is a tough sell, I'm never going to be the top of their, their lists. You know, I'm not, not going to be top of mind for them. But I don't know. It's been disappointing. It's been a disappointing road. And I've worked in a publishing company before, so um, as a publicity manager. So I know, I know what is possible and what's not possible. And I know that I have not had anything like just even a basic kind of courtesy since I've had this book published. So that is really, really quite a quite an out there thing to say, you know, because I mean, you know, my publisher could be listening, although they won't. Um, but anyway, that's that's been part of this whole challenge. So first book, and I'm so, so grateful to have had it published. And it was an amazing opportunity. But I felt like I've been kind of torn between being in different places and not really knowing where to go with with promoting myself, my own writing story, and, and what to write next. So now that's going to be what I need to figure out as well, you know. Um, so that's 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 kind of my my writing story. Yeah, and the and the and well, the main uh, apart from the bit about the publisher, which I wasn't sure if you were going to say or not, but the, other than that, the kind of being in a different country or being sort of taken out of um, an environment. What do you mean by an Irish poetry collection? Because I think that makes it sound like it's the it's Irish poems in some way. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's it's published by an Irish publisher. So the reason that I name that is because in terms of distribution, it had limited distribution in the UK, which is a much, much larger, larger poetry market, obviously, in terms of being able to sell copies. But also, um, it was not eligible for awards in the UK, for example, or I am not eligible for awards in Ireland, which are like Irish writers would be for example there is um uh, there's an award for um the best irish collection published or the best collection published by an irish person things like that which you know i, I don't necessarily qualify for because i'm not irish and i don't live in ireland if i'd lived in ireland i would have qualified but i don't so this is what i mean it was it was a tricky it's tricky to navigate that you know after after something's been published and you know i love my collection i really do and as i said i'm very very happy to have had it published but I, I go forward now knowing a lot more about what I would like to have from, from a future book and what, what I should, you know, aim for. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, I think. I think I've... Um, you learn, a, you know, yeah, you learn, you learn a lot, don't you, first time round? Do and you? You're not uh, just going to strike it, strike gold first time and, you know, I mean, think think about all the... all How, how long it takes to, to hone a craft or to, to get good at... At a profession. I mean, this is exactly the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I know that you don't have you don't have an agent, um, and that's partly just because of the way poetry works. Mm. Um, but I would be, uh, I'm eternally grateful for my agent. She's made uh, yeah. uh, and continues to sort of bite, bite. She doesn't bite anything, <laughs> well, <laughs> as far as I know. She does. She fights my corner. Yeah. And uh, uh, constantly, and um, and she and and so. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I that that you kind of just go uh, okay to when you first time you just go all right yeah well, okay that sounds good whatever mm. um, and or, or or I find myself like quite quite often just going is this normal would that normally happen doesn't yeah. feel like that doesn't feel like that should happen that doesn't 
should I have been paid by now? That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway. so and, and in poetry, it's all about hobnobbing as well. I mean, it's really tough to say it, but if you imagine that mm-hmm. poetry collections are being reviewed by other poets and they're selecting which poetry collections they're going to review in publications, so it's it's a very small world, and if you are not, if you are not going out and hobnobbing and, and showing them your, your, your face, then forget it. Yeah. And fingers crossed that you don't get put into an Amazon promotion. Oh, what was it, 99p, <laughs> wasn't it, yours? Yeah. Yes, it was. I, I, don't, I don't officially know if that's true, or if, even if I've actually said it. Have I ever talked about this on the podcast? Yes, you have, yeah. Okay, I'll shut up about that then. <laughs> Have we filled have we our ta- holes? Have we talked about erotic fiction? <laughs> You've certainly been gagging to talk about that tonight. I don't, I don't like that turn of phrase. <laughs> um, what What now? Have your plans changed in the last six weeks? Have the Faroe Islands done anything to you? No, like I say, I've, I've you know I have this um, this children's book that I'm going to be rewriting for a different age group because that's that's always very tricky, isn't it, with children's fiction? Leveling how to aim for the right age group, and I've realised that I've written um, like an, a very simple story in terms of length. It's way, way too simple, but it's for older children. So I need to, I need to lengthen it, and I need to pad that baby out, fatten her up, <laughs> like a Christmas turkey. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm going to write a novel. That's not changed. Still going to do that. Mm. Um, I, 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 I'm thinking of, in terms of helping writers do stuff, I'm thinking of stopping doing my newsletter as well. But maybe not stopping doing the newsletter, because it feels like so. It feels like um, author platform suicide to actually stop everything that I'm doing. But I'm, I'm not. Join me th- on Snapchat. <laughs> Take stupid pictures of your face and put ghosts and, and boots and all sorts of weird things over the top of it. Yeah, oh my goodness. Um, no, I'm thinking of... Um, so, I, 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 are you a subscriber? Of course I'm a subscriber. I'm what not... a ridiculous question. Don't ask me if I'm a reader. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, I am... Um, yeah, so I, I've been... Over the last, for the last, I don't know, 20 weeks on the trot-ish... I would send out. I've had more than that for quite, most of the time. That the the, the uh, newsletter has been a bit at the top, and then some links to other people's stuff. But I'm not reading. I'm not reading other people's stuff anymore. Well, not about writing anyway. So not any writing specific stuff. What kind of opening rate have you had on your newsletter? Um, it's a very personal question. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, hang on. On air, you spring me with what would your erotic novel title be? That's not. Uh, just below fifty, mid to late forties. As a percent on opening rate? Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's quite good. 410-ish people subscribed. Mm-hmm. You're a social media maven, aren't you? No, totally. I mean, that's very interesting. That's, that's good. So people are opening your newsletter? Good. Yeah, yeah, no, people do read the newsletter and I get... Yeah, it's, a, it's an active thing that people use. But I, I think it's just what I'm actually going to write. So I don't know if those... See, the problem is I'm, a, I'm, I'm an author. Like, it's the whole thing we talked about. What do you want to be known for? I don't want to be ultimately... I don't mind being known for this, but ultimately, I don't want to be the guy who sends nice newsletters. I want to be the guy who's people's book eye. No, the book guy whose like. people are sending newsletters out about your book because you don't even need to do that, and they're saying buy this book. Well, it's true. So, would my time be better writing five hundred words of fiction every week and putting that out into the onto the internet, of course. And building up an audience of kind in that way? You know, writing the odd thing about writing probably. 
you know, what it could be. Uh, you won't believe what happened when I published twenty pieces of flash fiction on the trot. Mm. Um, that'll be on uh, Buzzfeed before you know it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if, in the future, um, I feel like we're kind of saying goodbye to our listeners right now. But if we saw them again, if they took us into their beds, <laughs> what? <laughs> Like a book that we'd had published and they were reading it and they think, I, I used to listen to the podcast. Oh, I um, remember them. I remember them. With their, and weird, now, with their weird ending to yes, their podcast. Yes, they're a multi, multi-million, multi-millionaire best-selling novelist and this is their, their 16th book that I'm reading right now as my bedtime story. I mean, that would be very nice, especially if they refer to it as a bedtime story. <laughs> Oh dear, you can see what I've been doing every day for the last week. Children. Rambling. Yeah, bedtime stories. No, but anyway, it's 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 all good. But um... can I say I think you'd be a very good essayist. Oh, thanks. I've been th- I've thought about I might I thought I might try being an essayist. Thank you. Every time I've written something that's been essayist ish ish. Essayist. ish So non-fiction. Yeah. I've thought you know when there's a difference. Do you feel there's a difference between a, a blog post and a good a good essay? Absolutely. Something that says something about the human spirit. I feel like it's the difference between um, paper and computer. It, yeah. Except you can write an essay on a computer, but do you know what I mean? Like about the... the, the do you know, no, I, I don't think... I'm not sure I do know what you mean. <laughs> about the seriousness, about the, what okay. you're putting into an essay. Like it's, it comes from a place, a paper place, whereas a blog <laughs> comes from a computer place. Anyway, thank you. My dad says that he thinks I should write radio comedy. Well, let's do it. He well. doesn't listen to the podcast. That's what I was going to say. But he doesn't. No. Well, there. I mean, I. Uh, you, you mentioned that. I think I am going to finally, maybe even this week, mm-hmm. publish the the Ledger Center, which is the title of my fictional podcast. That's really cool. Thanks, Don. So, is that the first thing our our, our soon to be ex listeners can look forward to receiving in their inboxes? I think it sounds so final referring to them as ex listeners. But them, to, you, you're still there. They're not going to be our listeners anymore. They're just going to be our friends, friends forever. Indeed. Are you? Are you? Are you trying to end the show? But you, every now and again, you've, in the last five minutes, you've said something that's felt like it's got this kind of levity we yes. need to end the show. Everybody wants this show to end, Ian. <laughs> <laughs>